Noon straight up here on this Tuesday. We're going to hand it off to Red Sox baseball at 1235. So an abbreviated edition of Gresham Foyer. I guess we can, uh, I guess we got to yell Omaha because we're uh, we're changing things for today's show to make way for Red Sox baseball. Joining us now on the Harbor One hotline is our friend Tommy Kern of NBC Sports Boston. He's brought to us by Dr. Matthew Lapresti and Leonard Hair Transplant Associates, the hair doctor of Tommy Kern at 1-800-GET-HAIR. Tommy, good afternoon. How are you? I am great. How are you, boys? Well, it's quite an interesting day in New York, Tommy. And listen, I'm not reveling in the fact that Aaron Rodgers is injured and this might be the way his unbelievable career comes to an end, but it's hard not to laugh at the Jets and the organization and all their fans and all that stuff. And in watching on Hard Knocks, they had the eraser on offense. And now if you're Robert Sala, you got to stand back up in front of your team and after telling everyone that, hey, we fixed the quarterback problem, the problem's back at quarterback again. Oh, what a day. Yeah, I think there's a heavy, heavy, heavy dose of schadenfreude right now. Spell that, Fourier. Schad. S-C-H-O-D-F-R-E-U-D. That was actually really pretty okay. <laughs> right? I agree. I that. That, that was like what your first grade teacher would say. That was pretty okay. <laughs> Look, we all have different strengths. I spell stuff right, but I couldn't block myself yeah. out of a paper bag. Uh-huh. And you guys could. Um, it, it, you know, it's, it's a jumble of, I think, emotions because – we grow up following a team. Gresh, you, you'll probably follow the Steelers first. And, and, but we all were Patriots fans first here. So if it benefits your team, your first initial reaction is, oh, wow. And then you look at the football consumer that you became and became avid for, and you're like, no. I kind of wanted to see how it played out. And then you feel bad for the guy. As annoying as he has been over the course of time, I do think Hard Knocks showed a different side of the guy. Um, a little bit more understandable. I mean, these guys get weird. They become icons. They become legends. They get they they get weirder. But I think that he's not a malicious human, just an odd guy. But I feel badly for him, obviously, too. We had an NFL without Rodgers and Brady now. That's crazy. Jarring. Yeah. Um, how do you think this changes the 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 landscape uh, of the AFC uh, East? And if you uh, and if you could redo your prediction of who you thought was going to win the AFC East, uh, what would it look like now? I still think the Bills probably have the best quarterback, though he's doing everything in his power to really puncture holes in that assessment. I would say the Bills are the best. Mine, fortunately, doesn't change that much. I didn't think that the Jets were going to be drastically fixed by the presence of Aaron Rodgers. They were a 28-touchdown team last year offensively, worse even than the Patriots. And I didn't think that Rodgers would be the you know the silver bullet to fix everything immediately. So I still thought the Patriots were going to be better than the, Bill, the, the Jets. So that obviously stays the same. I do think and did say that I think the Bills were coming back to the pack and that their window had begun to close. And I think they showed that last night. So the landscape is different in that the Jets go from being a team that would expect to maybe win 10 or 11 
to now being a, a, a kind of a ceiling of seven or eight. Tommy, on the other side of that Jets game are the Buffalo Bills, and it feels like now year two of not having Brian Dayball as the offensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. I think they're falling into the trap of we got a quarterback who can be Superman and we have one great wide receiver, and there's your offense. And it was why Steph Diggs was screaming at the end of the game in the playoffs last year. And it kind of looks like from that end, they picked up right from where they left off. Does Buffalo have an offensive problem, whether it's self-created or not? Absolutely. It, there's no – it doesn't seem to be – there's a couple of things going on. But first, I would say that Josh Allen is probably too reliant on, I'll make a play. What's the worst that can happen? I'm not going to read this like it's, you know – my life depended on it because if it breaks down, I'm going to do something else. I'm not going to worry about my platform and setting my feet when I throw on the run because remember the throws I made in New England in the you know late in the season. Remember the throw I made here. Remember the throw I made there. I don't have to worry about the little things. And it's interesting because Tom Brady on his podcast talked about that um, relative to Peyton Manning, just how it's just so sloppy compared to what it was in guys just kind of winging it. And I definitely have a feeling that Josh Allen has fallen in love in a Farvian way with his ability to wing it and get away with it. And not only get away with it, wing it and succeed at a greater level. I mean, remember that touchdown throw he threw with, against the Patriots last year? Falling out of bounds, just threw it yeah. back across his ball. Brilliant play. He did it again last night. But then you get addicted to that stuff, and you don't have the foundational things in your game or don't pay attention to them enough to be effective. And I think that's that's getting him, definitely getting him over the last 10 regular season games or so. So so as far as the Patriots go that in that game uh, against uh, the Eagles, do you feel um, like this is something to build on and you're happy with that? Or are you more leaning towards, wow, man, we let that one get away from us. That could have been an easy – could, we could have won that game and started off 1-0. It's more than anything else, it's the former. I just think that the Patriots exceeded everybody's expectations performance-wise. It sucks that their quality control was still an issue. Not just the first 12 minutes where they get down 16 to nothing, but the Calvin Anderson hold that wipes out a, a um, two-point conversion, which ends up costing them and creating the situation where they had to make all the decisions about trying to score and not score field goals. Um, you know, the Kayshawn Booty, I, I, I'm less irritated at Kayshawn Booty than I think 95% of the people because I think he got a little push in the back as he was going out of bounds, and it was tough to toe-tap in that situation. And I'm also realizing the reality of Mac Jones' arm strength changes the dynamic for all of his receivers drastically. If he threw the ball harder, in general, the ball would have arrived a breadth of a second earlier for Kayshawn Booty, and he would have had an opportunity to toe tap, a better opportunity. If it arrived quicker to Kendrick Bourne on the third and 12, or fourth and 12, whatever it was, when there was that converging, then he wouldn't have had so much traffic. Great throw, but God, it took a long time. Hunter Henry and Juju both dropped balls. Inexcusable drops, except for the fact that you're standing there checking your watch and tapping your toe, waiting for thing thing to get there and wondering if you're about to get demolished. So I, I, I look at the team in general and say, 
they played better than I thought they would. They are a better team than I think everyone expected. And I'm encouraged greatly by their direction. But there's things to be concerned about. Quality control and max arm strength and some of the attention to detail. How much of that do you think will sort of work itself out with just repetition? Do you got to get your full offensive line in there? Do you need to see the full group of, of ones for some of that stuff to work itself out? Like how much of that is just the functionality of week one that will get better with repetition, in your opinion? Yeah, I think it'll get 30% better. How's that? I'll put a number right on it. Ooh. I think everything can get 30 to 40% better. Because Matt's going to look at that film and say, anybody can see that i got to step into these. Mm-hmm. He's throwing with his, with his butt going back toward his own goal line sometimes, anticipating some pressure. And he's not not tough. He takes some brutal hits and gets right up. I think he's got very good physical toughness and resilience. Um, but he's got to make a decision personally to throw the ball harder as often as he can. And I do think that the offensive line is going to improve. I don't know how drastically Devontae Parker changes things on Sunday. Kayshawn Booty was in his role. I love Kayshawn Booty. I think he's going to be a, a very valuable player for them. But Parker probably maybe would have gotten his feet down and be, been more cognizant. So all of it will improve. So that's why it's such a good start. I mean, they beat the hell out of Philadelphia's offense. That team scored 30-plus points in each playoff game last year. They kept Mac upright, and that team had 70 sacks. If you're not encouraged, you're just looking for something to whine about. Yeah, I agree. And just something else to be encouraged about, and I and I posed this uh, yesterday and again today, and I'm going to ask you, and I, don't, I know you probably don't have the number on the top of your head, but as far as rookie production in the league week one, I can't remember or think of another team uh, in the NFL over the last five years that had more production from their rookie class than the Patriots did uh, on a Sunday. Like, everybody played, not spot playing, but everybody played, contributed, everybody uh, had production, and everybody made it feel like everybody made a difference. Your thoughts on that? (laughs) I agree. I don't know how it is relative to the rest of the league. Certainly, I wouldn't expect that there were a lot of teams coming off eight and nine seasons with playoff aspirations, which I think the Patriots are, who had that. Maybe you saw some three-win teams who had that um, kind of rookie involvement. So it speaks to two different things. It speaks to if these guys are out of the box ready, great job, Matt Grow. Great job, scouting department. Good job, Bill. Um, if those guys additionally are needed, it's okay. <laughs> what was going on at these other positions where these guys have to be put into these spots? You know, shouldn't they be able to have some indoctrination period? But I don't want to be, it's, it's, that's a little too negative. But, I, you know, it's yeah, great to have rookies negative. be able to watch. Get, look at this guy. Well, I wanted to ask Tom right. Curran off of that that's whole. a little too negative. Isn't that a little too negative? <laughs> well, you know, but I will say this. You saying that, this is where it leads me, Tom. You say, well, you know, you kind of look at why would these guys have to play anyways? They shouldn't be playing. Well, I would say, well, gosh, they would have done their job in the first place. It isn't uh, Kayshawn Booty uh, on the field in the fourth quarter in a critical situation. It's another veteran wide receiver in general. Like that, he shouldn't even be on the field. I mean that that's the that's the that's the criticism route that I feel like people take if you give him a little opening. 
they jump right through that window. Yeah, and you can fairly say that. You know, if any number of reasons Kayshawn Booty shouldn't be out there, but on the flip side, you have a sixth-round pick from LSU that the rest of the league kind of gave up on, and I keep looking at and seeing Robert Woods or David Givens. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's, he reminds me of that kind of player. There's a lot of that uh, David uh, Givens comparison going on. Tommy Kern of NBC Sports Boston here, Aggression Fourier. Uh, any real quibbles with the fourth down, kicking the field goal? Obviously, the play getting called back on the two-point conversion ended up changing the math and maybe some opinions as we went along the way. Uh, the the Some of the fourth quarter choices by Belichick, where do you land on those? I generally don't second guess too much the fourth down stuff going and not going for it because it's not as black and white as people imagine. You can look at all the analytics and it changes by percentage points, your likelihood of winning. And you can look at, okay, if you go for it on fourth and three, you you increase your opportunity to score a touchdown, win the game. Do you love the play that you have, et cetera? I think that the logic would be wonderful. That's what I was more irritated about. Well, why did Bill go for it on fourth and three? Because he felt like he was in for a dime in for a dollar after converting on fourth and eight? Because he didn't think he was going to get down there, despite the fact that his defense had thrown a blanket over Philadelphia for that long? Did he feel that, that they were on borrowed time with holding them off? Um did he feel like they had an awesome play that would have worked and should have worked and could have worked? He doesn't need to be so surly and miserable about it. People are asking so that we can be illuminated by the greatest coach of all time. Explain it instead of saying, just explain it. I, that's not because, I'm with you on that. I'm with you. Remember 2008? Remember that yeah. game against the Colts? Yep. Fourth and two, they Kevin kept Falk. Going forward on, no, yeah. no, the other one. Oh, they the kept other going one. forward on fourth down. When Castle was the quarterback, oh, okay. they kept going forward on fourth down. And we asked him, he goes, well, I mean, if you look at the way the game was playing out, we just weren't getting the ball enough. We felt like even though there was 10 minutes left in the game, there just weren't that many more possessions for us. So we went for it. And that sticks with me 15 years later. It's the way he looks at the game. So tell us, man. <laughs> everybody's, everybody's not out to get you. But but that is technically what it is, though. I mean, I feel like there is this – he gets triggered, and you know what? And Because I can't uh, – I don't know who I can and can't trust, and somebody is ultimately going to twist his words. That's the way that whole crew, that whole coaching tree works, all of them. Bill We're Belichick is like Stone Cold Steve Austin. DTA, don't trust anybody. He's been like it forever. I thought you were going someplace totally different. No, no, no. That was an Austin thing that he used to do back in the – DTF. Uh, no, no. Well, that's he might be now. <laughs> anyway, we're not going to get into that with Curran. He's got to go anyway. Tommy will be with uh, Jones and Mego <laughs> on Thursday at three uh, thirty, and of course with us on Weei Football Sunday at eleven o'clock. Tommy, thank you, friend. Good breakdown. We appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Talk to you later. There Bye, we man. go. There goes uh, Tommy Current.